What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Live Free Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Mike Maxwell. Today's guest is Mr. Joe Swanson. He's a uh, tattoo artist and business owner out of Northern California. He joined me via Skype from his house. Um, we talked jujitsu, local business, American trade, thinking like a criminal, cat and mouse game, crowd control, pigtails, knowing your rights, S&M tattoos, and getting back to the basics. Make sure you go over to MikeMaxwellArt.com, click on the blog, you'll get all the information about Joe and all the other guests that have been on the show. You can also click on the podcast link directly there and uh, get links directly to the show. If you listen to the show in iTunes, make sure you subscribe to the show, then all the new episodes arrive automatically in your iTunes just by clicking the little refresh button on, on the bottom of your iTunes page. Um, and what that does is keeps the podcast up in the charts, uh, higher up in the numbers in the charts, which you guys must have been a lot of new subscribers must be coming in because the, the numbers have been pretty good. It's, it's consistently in the top 200 and, uh, I, we fluctuate from like the ones number 170 all the way up to like 25, uh, in the top arts podcast. So that's cool. I appreciate all that support. Um, you could rate the show by just clicking the stars at the bottom, and also there's a little opportunity for you to comment. I read all the comments and check them out. Um, I appreciate all that stuff, so if you can go do that, it'd be great. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at the Live Free Podcast. I'm at Mike Maxwell Art. Uh, I know a lot of you probably follow me on there. If you want to, go ahead over to the Live Free Podcast and follow that one as well. Um, I'm getting ready this summer. I'm doing a, um, big podcast group art show. I, I'm not even sure if I've mentioned it yet or not, but, um, I'm working with Matt from the Hellion Gallery. We're going to do two shows, one in Portland and one in San Diego. I'm getting all the artists who have been on the show together to, um, submit a, a few pieces and put them all together for a big group show. And then we're going to try to figure out how to incorporate ways to like get the crowd in and record a podcast with people that come to the shows and see what they think, get their opinion, or just shoot the shit about whatever. So we're going to be doing that in starting in August. And if it's successful, maybe it will go other places as well. Um, if you think it would be good in your city and you know a gallery that might want to do it uh, and you're, you, you see what's going on, get at me. Um, you can always contact me at info at MikeMaxwellArt.com. And I think that's about it. So, ladies and gentlemen, with all that said, Mr. Joe Swanson. Alright, here we go. Calling on Facebook now. Both recorders are on. And I can hear you for sure. Alright. Nice. You got it? Yeah, I'm fairly certain Perfect. everything is going to work smoothly now. I like it. Except for my garage band just been acting like a little hooker lately. <laughs> I, um, I've i been working with these guys um, that do another podcast called The Wisest Wizards. I was just, uh, we just uh, did like I a joint that. podcast. Yep, yep, I heard that. And uh, the way we recorded with a bunch of, like a three microphone setup. Uh-huh. So it recorded three times the file size. Oh, and I've basically, with all the paintings and photographs that are on my computer, I've basically utilized all available space. <laughs> Dang. And I'm in the process of moving it all onto hard drives, like, slowly but surely, but I'm so lazy that it just takes... Like, I'm like a hoarder with stuff on here. It's like, ah, oh, if I delete it, like, I have to have doubles of it. If I delete it, it's going to go into yeah, the ether just somewhere. just in case you lose it. Yeah. Well, hey, thank you for um, taking the time to shoot the shit with me, man. I appreciate it. My pleasure, man. It's uh, it's been something that I've, you know, from when you first started way back, um, what you're in like the 70s now, right? Yeah, this is number 79. Yeah, so from from the beginning, I, I was checking it out and I saw it coming through on the Facebook and, um, you know, just been following it, man. I've been stoked on listening to it on Stitcher and, and uh, subscribed on iTunes and all that good stuff. Nice. And, uh, yeah, so it's been great. Not, I mean, I've been super motivated by uh and inspired by you and the joe rogan experience podcast and those guys and um everyone that they're connected with i've been listening 
like crazy and I was like man nobody's doing this like nobody in my industry is doing this you know what I mean like nobody's documenting these stories and and the crazy stuff that happens in you know the tattoo industry and and outside of that you know what I mean like there's action sports communities and all these different you know things that are tied right into tattooing so yeah I gotta we should um maybe jump jump back a bit i we've we've actually never talked or met in the real life i guess this is nope. sort of still digital life but this is the first <sighs> time outside of the the ones and zeros that we've uh we've discussed things with yep, one another. exactly man that said I... you of all people which is interesting did like one of the biggest favors for me that anybody's ever done for me in my life which <laughs> like it sounds cheesy and romanticized but I when I started at my gym when I did the free week, you gave me my first gi, which at the time I wouldn't have been able to afford to go buy one. Right, right. Which basically afforded me the opportunity to to par- participate in gi jujitsu, which really yeah. became my love. Like I I like both gi and no gi, but uh-huh. really like something about gi is really fun. I. I think I'm getting closer and closer to 50-50 of loving them both equally. Yeah, see, I I did I did E a long time ago with Caesar Gracie over in Pleasant Hill and started there. And that's where that gate gi came from and um I liked it. It was it was cool. I just then I didn't have an opportunity to do it anymore. Um it was easier for me to go to the the shoot fighting place and and roll no gi with my friend. Um and so I started doing that. So that was that gi was sitting there, man. It was it, it was sitting in my shop, tattoo shop in Vacaville, in a box. And I'm like, well, shoot, you know, if this guy can use it, let's, you know, Paul, Paul, Europe, my my good friend, he speaks nothing but highly of you. So I'm like, oh, well, nice. shoot, man, let's pay it forward, and uh, you know, get this thing sent out because I love jujitsu, man. I I don't have an opportunity to train with it right now. It's just don't have anybody around or the time to commit to it um but man i've i've come down to la and i've trained at uh i actually got to roll with eddie uh nice. and bravo and got tapped out five different ways in like you know five <laughs> minutes it was it was amazing but it was a good experience you know sure and uh, so yeah man i was i'm i'm absolutely ecstatic that you got that gi and that you that you know the note was nice the little care package you sent me i got the painting hanging up and that it literally changed your life i get that because i've been in that spot you know where it's so physical it's so cerebral it's like it's great yeah dude my shirts fit me differently yesterday it was very strange like i was walking and i was like this shirt fits a little less tight than it did before you got company uh my my wife just peeked her head in she's just say hi say hi yeah come over (laughs) <laughs> we're at home i just picked my mom up from the airport this is my Sweet. wife natalie hi natalie i'm natalie. Mike. mike maxwell nice so, to meet you digitally oh you, I... you can't hear me huh no nice to meet you i re- i just realized you couldn't hear me before you're right <laughs> here <laughs> thanks have a good time thanks yeah, right. it, it really is. It's one of those things where it's like I talk mostly about it changing like my mental attitude, but just yeah. like noticing yesterday how typically my shirts hit my belly a different way. All of a sudden, yeah. it felt different. Like my shirt hitting my stomach felt different. I was like, yeah. I looked around like as if somebody had like snatched something <laughs> a, from me. Played a joke on you. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, yeah. hey, wait, I'm losing this little uh, pot belly that I that I had I'm earned scared. for thirty years. Yep, I was in the same spot, man. When I was training a lot, rolling a lot, I was like down to 170, 175, you know, um, endurance. I mean, I could roll for 15 minutes, you know, and it was 10, 15 minutes and it was, you know, tired, but you, yeah. how you work that endurance up. And uh, man, over the last couple of years, it's been a little bit crazier opening the shop and, and moving and just, you know, not having the ability to train because, you know, I got all this other shit going on. Yeah, sure. And so, um, just got back into CrossFit. Actually, my wife and I go to a CrossFit gym here in in uh, town, CrossFit Lodi, and uh, where we live. And uh, I've, I've lost like ten pounds already, nice. like uh, in, in the week and a half. So get the get the endurance back up and the, and the cardio going. And I got to find a gym. 
I gotta get it back into a jujitsu gym. There is a Caesar Gracie gym here in town. I just don't have the time to do it. Yeah, it's a lot of money too. Because if you're gonna yeah. if you're gonna put the money in in effort, you want to do it like. I'm sure you're probably like me. You want to do a full blast. Like you want to really focus. Yep. The, like because it doesn't even make sense to just half-ass it because you'll just be wasting your time and everybody else's time, really. Yeah, and and I was gonna train with this dude up in Sacramento, um, and do privates with him, but it's the thing. I like I don't have the time to get up there. If I'm gonna pay or even trade, you know, work with this guy, I want to be able to commit to it and yeah. be able to put the time in during the week to research things that I need to work on. And oh, you know, I'm getting, you know. Everybody's getting side control on me. I need to work on side control escapes. And did I you see my on... videos that I posted? I like that, man. I did see one of those with, with just the commentary. It's great. It's, it, it's, it's really a lot cool. of me getting stuck in side control. <laughs> yeah, I watched one of them where um, you you were... Oh, I can't remember the name of the guy, but he's a bigger dude. And... Uh, um, yeah, he was, he was pushing you down. And then I think you end up... In the second little roll, um, he got you, or you were on top, and he was he was trying to hip sweep and you know uh, a couple other things. But it was it's man, it's it's kind of a cool idea to do that commentary on yourself. You're yeah, gonna learn a ton. That's what the main goal for me was to look at it from a different perspective. Because like when you're down there, like I don't see people's legs. Like when you, you don't realize when you're getting squashed by somebody, you, you only see like the inside of their shoulder. So you're kind of working blind. Yeah. So it's night. Like today I went back, I've watched him a bunch of times already and I went back and saw one where there's a half guard where dude's connecting his half guard in my mind, the feeling of it feels like I'm locked in there with fucking chains and locks and shit. <laughs> right. But looking at it, it's not that it's not that hard to escape if I just did a particular movement. Now that right. I, now that I could see that from you know my outside set of eyes, it it allows me to give practice to something, and I can see all my, my flaws too. Like there's one where I get caught in an omoplata, and uh, I land on my head really hard, and I see that I did the roll incorrectly. So, like, I could go and practice that roll over and over to make sure that I don't do that again. Right, and that gets your muscle memory in there, and you're like, you know, the next time you feel that, having practiced that roll, you're going to just, you're going to go right into it. And it, it, I, I like what you said, though. It's it's seeing from the outside set of eyes, and you see, like, well, shoot, man, I do have all this space. I can just move this way. And, you know, but when you're in there, you can't, you have a limited, like you said, you have a limited perspective because this guy's shoulders on your, you know, cheekbone and, you know, his, his chest is on, you know what I mean? It's just, it's all confined, but. And it's so hard to, you know, it's, it's so, when you're getting squashed, it, it does, it's, what's amazing is how bad that can feel, but it doesn't look like it's like, it, it doesn't show the amount of energy that gets exerted in some of those things. And I yeah. thought the idea of putting the narration in there allows people who, without any other perspective, to see what the mind is doing in all those moments. Yeah. You know, because oh, absolutely, like, I was up in, uh, I was rolling up in SAC at that place before. Um, it was a couple weeks ago. I was trying it out, and uh, there was this guy. I mean, he had to have been upper two hundred pounds. You know, and I'm like one eighty five, one ninety. And I mean, he was just a beast. I mean, he was trying to. At one point, he has me in side control, and he's moving from like north south to side. And I mean, I'm almost tapping to the sweaty sh- t-shirt like you know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> deal, man. He's just like on my face, just horrible. I but, tapped to a dude that was like we were doing some no gi. He was probably two forty, I think. And I'm about your size, 190, 180. I should be 170, but uh, him just putting his ribs to my ribs killed. Uh, hold on one yeah. second. Hold on. My fucking garage band is being a hooker. All right, here it goes. It still records, but it gives me this little pause. I think it fucks with me right there. Yeah. Do you do the? Um, do you have you have a digital recorder that you're do- doing a backup on though? Yeah, I have an MP3 little recorder that I also record. Yeah, I'm look. I'm looking into that right now. For like I told you about about ninety percent setup, man. I got. I think I got to switch my mixer though, because I don't know how you do it with uh, 
um, on Skype do the like a mix minus to where I, I just, don't know if you have that problem where people are hearing their their themselves back like on the two second delay and uh, I, I don't know if I'm gonna have run into that problem but I guess there's a way to um, let's call the mix minus in the and the input that's coming in from like if it was your Skype if I was recording it it goes into my mixer and I can just turn that down and so you wouldn't hear yourself coming back but you could hear everything else that's going on any sound effects I, you know any videos that I play on my computer or anything that's dumping into that mixer right I'm what I I record right I, I, I just mic up my computer speaker and uh, the reason I have you wearing the headphones is that same issue because Skype will have it to where it can hear me through, like I can hear myself through your uh, computer microphone or speakers, uh-huh. and I'll end up recording myself twice. And it's not the same thing, but the same sort of idea where it's like yep. you hear it twice, and it what it does is Skype will cut out. If Skype has a feature that if we both talk at the same time, it's going to cut one of us out. But with yeah. the with the speaker or with your headphones in. It doesn't do that. Huh, okay. It'll have yeah. some weird little glitch moments, but it doesn't do that shit. But yeah, yeah I'd yeah, like that's... to step my game. And in fact, that's what I'm working with the, the producer of The Wisest Wizards to start producing my show um, when I have more in-town guests. And even setting up Skype stuff, we're going to do that too. It's just uh, a matter of figuring out how and when. Yeah, yeah. I, so um... you, you're going to... You want to start talking with tattoo artists? Cause let's let's talk about you real quick before we jump into that. Like you yep. you own and run a tattoo shop. Is, is that accurate? Yeah, I, I uh, I've been tattooing a, uh, just shy of seventeen years now, and uh, I just opened up October first of two thousand and ten. I opened up uh, so I guess almost two years ago now. I opened up Black Dagger Tattoo in uh, Vacaville, California, which is about fifty miles outside of San Francisco. Um, I was working in in San Francisco and then in Vallejo, uh, and then just had the opportunity to open it up and wanted to do something that was mine that I put my you know creative feel into and and could start something that was that was that area didn't have any you know, they have a couple good tattoo shops but there's seemed to be there was always one issue whether it was their scheduling or you know they got a three month waiting list and you know my shop you walk in soccer mom get you a little you know cherry blossom on your ankle or you can get a back piece you know so it's it's cool it's been a great opportunity it's been a great opportunity for me to be able to be there kind of in a different role i'm a tattooer but i'm also i get to you know mess around with business stuff and try to implement some cool new stuff into what i'm doing like uh we i do this thing text message follow-up stuff with all my clients and you know uh, I'm behind on my paperwork on that, but uh, you know, just stuff like that. It's been fun to fun to play with, and I got a good crew of guys there. And you can find us on Twitter at Black Dagger Tattoo T A T two, and uh, the website's blackdaggertattoo.com. You can check out all the portfolios and stuff it's, like that. But it seems like like tattoo shops and like maybe like haircut shops and restaurants are like the last bastion of like uh, you know like local entrepreneurship like it's such a dying breed of people who are willing to open up a a business and it always seems like it's those sort of outsider types willing to take those risks and you know do something that's what they what they want to do yeah i mean i was i mean uh, you know i sent you a little bit of info on my history and uh you know i was a cop well all right so i started tattooing um in monterey in the early 90s um, and then did that, apprenticed with a guy named Steve Hendricks at a shop called Gold Coast Tattoo. And then I uh, went out to Minnesota, finished up a business degree, continued to tattoo out there for a couple of years, came back, worked at, uh, at that time, it was the oldest established shop in San Francisco in one location, which is uh, Picture Machine Tattoo. Uh, it was a shop owned by a guy named Guy Martinuk, and uh, his, his father, Pat, had owned it before him. Um, and uh, Pat had worked with Lyle Tuttle and back in the day and and all that and um, it's actually owned by Lyle's son now I believe. But uh, those lineages it, are so are, are, it's funny. It's a, also one of those weird industries that have like family lineages too. 
It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, there's a lot of that. I mean, there's and, just not much trade left in the United States. Like people who 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 enter themselves into a trade and practice it for life. Yeah, yeah. It's. I mean, you have not a lot of hand done. You know, trades, hand done yeah. arts, things like that. I mean, you don't have the. Um, I mean, I think even I would throw mechanics in that. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, I'm too, you know, but a lot of a lot of it now is so scientific. It's so computerized. It's it's almost lost that, you know, kind of magic a little bit, you know, from when you used to work on a car. I mean, you you could jump in that in that engine compartment and you worked on a car, you know, you're not now you work on a car, you plug this thing into this and you plug this thing into that and you look at this computer monitor that says what's wrong and <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean it's like it's crazy it's, it, it's it uh, makes life a lot easier it seems like I think that's its purpose at least yeah yeah but uh, anyways get back to um, the the kind of the timeline of things I, I went from Minnesota I came back out and was working at Picture Machine and just eh, I was coming up short on rent and it was just I was commuting working 12 to 12 6 days a week I was living over in Vallejo and uh, I was like, you know, had a growing family. I was like, man, I need to find something that, you know, I, I can do that's going to make me money and ain't going, ain't going away. And uh, I was like, all right, well, what can I do? I think like a criminal, you know, I got, I, 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 you know, I'm good like that, but I, I got too many. Uh, this is the kitty. Man, kitty cat getting in on the show. Yeah. Whoa, there he goes. Um, so, I was like, but I'm not going to go out and rob nobody. So uh, I was like, well, let me be a cop. Let's play this cat and game mouse, or, you know, this this cat and mouse game. With, with That's how I looked at it, man. I was like, you're doing nefarious shit, and I'm trying to catch you. You're trying to get away. Yeah. I'm. You're going to get away sometimes, and good on you. You know, I'm going to get you sometimes, good on me, man. And we yeah. just, you know, we high-five and go our ways. You know, back for the next one. You'll be out in a week. I'll come try to find you again. Yeah, you know, so it was. I did that for is a while. That a, is I that just, a typical mentality for the no, for the game? That's, that's no, I don't think so. I no. didn't find that. Like, you definitely have those dudes. I worked with those dudes who are like, you know, the high and tight and the you know just uptight and you know what I mean. They're they're just they have that power trip. And right. most of those dudes that I, if from my personal experience, most of the dudes are cool guys outside of things. You know, outside of being a cop on duty, they're cool dudes. You know, but you get them in in that blue uniform, and it's like, damn, dude, what's up? Like, authority what does some weird shit to people's brains, it does, right? You know, and I, I looked at it like I'd rather, in the end of things, if I actually have to arrest this guy for something he's doing, I'd rather want to high five that dude or give that dude a hug by the end. You know, I want him to like me. You know what I mean? Like, it's basic human nature. Like, I'm not yeah. trying to mess your deal up, dude. Like yeah. the bounty hunter style, like you want to give him the speech at the end. <laughs> Not, I ain't going that far. I ain't see light <laughs> coming down. From I mean, you don't have to have a bullet. I mean, that sort of mentality. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, but just be cool to him, respect him, right? Right. Dude knows he did wrong. If I'm arresting some some guy for, you know, on the highway patrol, I was arresting some guy for DUI. That cat knows he did wrong. Sure. I don't need to rub it in. You know what I mean? I just need to help that dude through his little period of time where he's with me in the most positive way. Get him into you know so he can he can hopefully come out the other end and and, and at least have a good experience with me you know so you that doing? was always my mindset and um and I did that for seven years continued to tattoo two three days a week while I was doing it um and you know built up a, a good clientele of cops <laughs> let's do tap money you know so it, it's been good for me uh, but and I don't regret I I mean I never felt like I found my niche in in as being a cop, you know, in law enforcement. Like I didn't like wearing a uniform. I like going to, you know, work in a wife beater and jeans and you know, it's so I just got finally got to the point where I was like, you know what, I gotta I gotta be done, man. I'm done. I am just gonna tattoo. I'd rather be broke and happy than, you know, have a pension and, and be miserable. Right. <laughs> you it's know, it's so. a lot of stress too. People don't really realize all the extra shit Absolutely. that you gotta take home at the end of the day. Yeah, for sure, man, for sure. You know, I, I definitely uh, I give it to those guys who do it, and there are a lot of good ones. You know, I mean, they get a bad rap. I always tell people I should have been a fireman, man, you know, because you have the same – you have a group of people standing out on the corner, and 
you know, the, the fire truck drives by and everybody's, yeah, all right, woohoo, you know, and you got the cop drive right by behind them and they're like, fuck you, you know, and uh, just fingers. It's, you're both there to like, you should be there to protect, you know, protect and serve. You should be there to do the same thing, keep people safe. Well, what do you think about when you see these cops, like, abusive behavior with the Occupy kids? I know it's sort of cliche at this point, but even in, you know, throughout American history, like, looking at the way cops have been used to suppress, uh, like, nonviolent movements, Mm -hmm. um, I know, I don't know if you've ever been in any of those type of scenarios where you're in enough fear to where you feel like you got to protect your life. I, I imagine there's a, a higher level of stress point that people outside of the profession aren't aware of. And then yeah, absolutely. Is there uh, some I mean, ideas? Yeah, you... like, Go ahead. Sorry. No, that's cool. Um, there's a particular example that like we, we used to do, I worked out of Oakland um, for a little while. And so in Hayward and those areas. And so, what we would do is we'd get called into San Francisco a lot of times for, you know, the, the critical mass and, and stuff like that. We'd be put on the off ramps because they were trying to prevent them from coming up onto the freeway and running their bikes over the Bay Bridge to Oakland and supportive bike stuff, you know, to, to connect the two cities. And so we would be positioned, positioned on these off ramps. And, you know, fortunately for me, I, I never was in the situation where I had to, you know, use any kind of use of force on any anybody like that but the day before excuse me we were there um they had another group of people out there and these guys there was maybe i think five officers or something like that and they were i mean hundreds of people came up by this offering and they were just you know pepper spray i mean they had you know they it was a hundred or plus a couple hundred people against five dudes trying to you know keep them off this ramp and they weren't peaceful i mean they were like pushing and shoving and yelling and trying i mean it was crazy you know so that that in those situations man your stress level goes way up you know i mean it's and it's you try to my take was always i'm gonna let them dictate my use of force you know what i mean like if they're gonna respect the situation I'll, i'll be respectful the second you they jump up you gotta jump up you know, um, now if they don't jump up, there's no need for it. You know what I mean? And that's where people get into trouble. They and a lot of people miss it at that particular moment in time. How often do you think that cops misinterpret jump ups and maybe a misinterpretation from both, like a, a mob and a person? Like how yep. how quickly can we disassociate a a, a just a inch like somebody moving a certain way you know we see it a lot and i talk about this quite a bit like the way uh, the way our brain chemistry works like how often we see like the cop stories where they shoot the dude who had a fucking tinfoil wrap sandwich or something yep all it is is all it is to justify that kind of stuff is a a implied fear for your life i mean it can be implied you know what i mean yeah yeah he's around with cell phone and he throws his hand out like he's like he's gonna you know shoot you if that cop in his brain there's a split second i mean your know, reaction time and 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 uh um there's, there, it goes like that that dude has to make a decision in a heart okay. hey do wrong decisions get made sometimes absolutely can we hope that they don't yeah absolutely but it, it absolutely is um, a tough thing. I mean, when you're in that situation, you have to have your wits about you. You got to be, um, you have to really be on top of your game, man. Yeah. You know, it's and, uh, it's crazy. One of the uh, things that uh, um, it's funny we're talking about some of this more detailed stuff. It's one of the I was telling you about it, uh, the podcast I'm going to do, um, and I'm either going to do it as part of uh, Joe Swan's Propaganda Podcast, or I'm going to do it as a separate podcast. I'm trying to maybe get Paul Yurick to try to get it on. I'm trying to get him on one of these uh, podcasts with me on a weekly or biweekly basis. But um, I'm going to have a segment on my podcast called Pigtails. And it's going to be just my my take, ex-cop tattooers take on judicial stuff. You know what I mean? Like you get pulled over for DUI. What are some of the things you got to think about? You know, if you get a speeding ticket, what are your options? 
you know, if you get, if you have, you know, medicinal marijuana, what do you, what, what should you be concerned about? You know what I mean? All these different things. So it's going to be just a little segment on my podcast that is going to talk about stuff. As an example, I'll give you a little nugget here. So All if right, you can nice. pull over for DUI um, and the cop comes up to you and he's talking to you, right? He's going to be, it's, let's say it's two in the morning. It's the bewitching hour. And he pulled you off. He pulled you over for something. It's legit, right? And he comes up to the window. He's going to be looking for a few things. He's looking for the objective signs and symptoms of intoxication. You know, the, the distinct odor of an alcoholic beverage. The signs and symptoms would be red, watery eyes, stuff like that. You know, everybody knows what we look like right. when we get drunk. Right. And a lot of times these cops will, because they're lazy, right? They don't want to, not all of them, some of them. They don't want to pull you out if they don't have to pull you out. They want to... You know, they got stuff to do. So they either need to get you to a point where they know they're going to arrest you or they need to cut you loose and get on to the next guy. So they'll do this standardized test, which is the where they where they have a finger and they hold it up in front of your face. Right. And they'll do it while you're sitting there in your car, in your driver's seat. Right. They'll they'll do the little thing. It's called horizontal gaze nystagmus. They're looking for an involuntary bouncing of the eye. Yeah. Right. Well, it's a standardized test. They cannot do it while you're sitting in the car. You got to be standing a certain way. They got to be 12 to 15 inches slightly elevated above your eyes with their finger. They got to hold things for a certain amount of times. It's all standardized. This is written down. So if they do it while you're in your car and then they pull you out, one, don't let them do it again, right? Because that one that they've done in your car will get thrown out of court. It's not going to be, it's not going to be valid. Because it's not, they didn't perform it in the standardized way, right? So if they pull you out, say, homie, we already did that. You know, we can move <laughs> on to the next one. And my take on it is always don't do any. Like, if you're going to arrest me, arrest me on the signs and symptoms of intoxication and, you know, the driving observations. What did I do wrong? Hopefully you got me on a, a bum taillight or something because that's no weaving or bobbing, you know? So horizontal gaze nystagmus. That shit's got to be done outside your car. If they do it while you're sitting in your car, and they pull you out, don't let them do it again. Nice. I'm totally. Gonna, I'm in on that show for sure. Yeah, that's. It's going to be a good one, man. And you know what? If you want, man, come be a guest. On, I'd love to have you as a guest on that. That'd I'm be great. down for sure. I've I'd, I've had some encounters with police officers, and I've always acted much different than most of the other people that I've known. <laughs> right. Like I, I've told the story on the podcast a few times when. Uh, when Barry McGee and um, Josh and some of those guys' crew were down in San Diego, they painted uh, this building across the street from City Hall and did these huge throw-ups on this building. And it was all sanctioned by the museum because the museum was doing the street art show. Right. And I went down there that next morning to get uh, photographs because it had all been painted up. And the um, all of a sudden all these cops started showing up. The news was there. <laughs> Because City Hall had shown up that Monday and was like, what the fuck is going on here? Right. Meanwhile, there's, like, scissor lifts and shit over in the corner, you know? It's like, they were out there the whole day before with, like, jumpsuits on and shit and painting. Yeah, yeah. And so, some of the city people were talking to me. And I happened to be talking to one of the city attorneys. And, uh... We were just shooting the shit, and they kept asking me questions. I was like, I'm not telling you nothing. If you guys can't figure this out on your own, that's on you. <laughs> but I was just fucking with them, because they were just city workers or yeah, whatever. you know what? Honestly, sometimes that's the best policy, you know? Like, like close your mouth. Like, because yeah. you may say some stupid shit. Right. right? And you that's right after stuff. that, all these cops pulled up. Like, at least seven cops. And this one, like, really tight-haired, short Mexican lady cop came up and asked me for my ID. And, you know, we're just out on the street and I'm taking yeah. pictures. And I start to think, I was like, I don't think she's allowed to just ask me no. for my ID. So no. I, I look at her, but I'm like catty corner looking at the city attorney lady who I'd just been talking to who was standing just to her right. It's like, you don't, do I have, I asked her, do I have the right to tell you no when asking for my ID? And she was like, yes. And I look over at the attorney and she like nods, like yeah. quietly, doesn't yeah. say anything, just nods. I was yep. like, "Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna um, exercise that right and tell you no." She <laughs> yeah, was so it's, pissed. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's a consensual encounter, you know. Maybe that's what we got to do on the first episode, man. Look out for pigtails. First episode of the Joe Swans Propaganda Podcast. Dude, that's brilliant. We'll do it, we'll do it on consensual encounters. 
that that's it's, fucking uh, wonderful. I would highly support that show. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that it'll be good, man. I got, I mean, over seven years, I worked for two different departments. I got a lot of stuff up in here. You know, I can imagine. I'm talking. Yeah, it's it's just different experiences, man. Do you find got, any uh, do you find any correlations between the stories you've learned being a cop and the stories you hear being a tattoo artist? Is there any correlation, man? <laughs> it's it's crazy, crazy nonsense in a tattoo shop, and it's crazy, crazy nonsense dealing with the people you deal with as a cop. Yeah. I mean, you know, you get some you get some nuts stuff going on in the tattoo shop, um, you know, and just the just the just the energy of a tattoo shop is great. I mean, it's what I love. It's what I you go into a shop, you're there, you're BSing with everybody. If you don't got thick skin walking into a tattoo shop, now I'm not talking about a client, you know what I mean? But if a client wants to step into that game, hey, I'll be the first one to cap on a client like real quick, you know, put them in their place. You're walking into my house. Yeah. I mean, you're like you're walking into my house. Don't come in here and try to talk some craziness to me because I've been, I told this one kid one time, I got to the point where I've been tattooing long enough to where some of the kids that are 18 that are coming in now, right? He, they were in diapers, right? When, when I was tattooing, yeah. when I was learning the craft, right? So I, I told this one kid, he comes in, he wants a Polynesian tribal half sleeve from his wrist to his elbow. And, you know, he's got a couple pictures. And I go, yeah, man, it's going to be, you know, we're 120 an hour. That's That was the shop I was working at. That's how much we were tattooing for. I said, you know, you might be into it for 1500 bucks. you know, when all is said and done. You know what I mean? And he's like, oh, dang, man. Oh, shit. You know, man, it's a lot of money. And I'm he, I'm like, dude, well, look at your shoes. They got the, you know, the flyest Nikes on right now. Yeah. I said, how much do those shoes cost you? He goes, 170 I go, homie, look at your pants. How much some pants cost you? You know, they're probably Ed Hardy pants. You know, two hundred dollars. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, what kind? What kind of shirt is that? You know, some name brand shirt. I go up the whole list of them. You know, he's got a watch on. He's got glasses. Everything. Hat. Dude's running around in like six, seven hundred dollars worth of clothes. And you're you're scoffing at me for I, I'm telling him. I'm like, dude, you're going. You're walking around in six hundred dollars worth of clothing. And you're and you're haggling with me over a, over a tattoo that's going to be with you for forever. Yeah. Right. I said, dude, when you get your head together, come back in and talk to me because I I told him I said I was tattooing when you were still shitting in your pants. So <laughs> you know, once you get this thing together, come back, dude. We'll talk. You know, we'll get you put on a good tattoo. But it's just funny, man. People are crazy. They're crazy in the tattoo shop. They're crazy out on the streets. You know, it's it's, it's a funny. lot of correlation to it. It's sort of that connection to the not too many people having their own privately owned businesses nowadays. Like, they're yeah. not used to that, like, we have the right to refuse service type of mentality. Right. Like, uh, in a tattoo shop, they don't need to kiss your ass, you know? Like, mm-hmm. people, people are even used... In this, even in this economy. Like, I was tattooed in San Francisco at this shop. And one of my things, man, I, I like to talk to people, so I'll talk to them. And, and one of my questions, obviously... What do you do for a living? You would be, I mean, I don't know if you'd be surprised, but I was surprised at how many people said, oh, you know, just, I, I've been laid off, lost my job, you know, company shut down, downsizing. I said, well, how are you getting this tattoo? Oh, I cashed out a little bit of my retirement. I think it's, you know, I'm going to just get this tattoo and kind of make it through the next few months. And, you know, they were cashing out severance packages, retirements, still getting tattooed, right? And... I mean, it's it's definitely taken a hit. I mean, the tattoo industry is taking sure. a hit. You ain't gonna get rich here, you know, um, by just sitting down in the chair and and, and tattooing. You know what I mean? Um, but it's still people are still getting tattooed. I mean, I opened my business in 2010. And we're paying the bills. You know, how many other businesses can you open with very little, you know, overhead? But you gotta know, like there was this there was this dumb broad that opened up a shop like down in, in Vallejo, right? And this this lady has the audacity to say that tattoo, uh, the ta- she was going to open up a Hawaiian barbecue, but one of her friends opened one, and it, and it shut down. So she didn't really want that. She wanted something that was recession-proof. Tattoo shops are recession-proof. Bitch, what are you talking about? Like, seriously, recession-proof? <laughs> you don't have any clue, do you? Yeah. You know? 
I mean, so it's taken a hit for sure, but it's still, people are still walking in. It's like a drug, you know what I mean? People like it. They like, it makes them feel good. I was and, just talking about this idea um, to some people. Uh, tech, was it? I think I was... T- uh, no, I was just talking to some people who have tattoos. An actual a tattoo artist's brother. And uh, I was making the correlation. He, he said how he liked the pain of getting tattooed. And I made the correlation of, like, the idea of enjoying S&M and getting tattooed. Because like, yeah. I, I understood it. At a young, when I was a younger man, I, uh, I kind of liked that weird endorphin rush and that pain yeah. that you got. But I realized that it's almost like just an exchange of pains. You know, you think about how many times people go to a tattoo shop to uh, get a memorial tattoo, which I have yeah. plenty of, or something that yeah. marks some very meaningful occasion that could oftentimes be painful in some way. Yeah. That they go and exchange that pain for the amount of time that they're going to sit down and experience mm-hmm. a very uncomfortable pain for a long time. Then that's, not only that, but the tattoo artists also know that they're inflicting pain on other people. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like there's some sort of sadist uh, thing that's <laughs> happening with just b- having the willingness to inflict the pain on people. And then, because it's funny how tattoo artists always say, well, I, I don't feel it. Or, you know, that idea yeah, of when people complain is like, I don't, I don't know what that feels like. Or, you know, whatever the, the saying is when people yeah. bitch. Yeah. That's great that that's that that's that's a that's a line that get used in every tattoo shop in America. You yeah, know? Oh, this is hurting my rib cage. You're like, doesn't hurt me at all. I don't know. I, I don't feel <laughs> yeah. a thing. You know, Fucking it's assholes. it's great, but that's a great way to look at it. I mean, it's it's interesting. My cards, my personal cards, because I'm I'm going to be managing my shop. But I'm going to be working at a shop called Hard Luck Tattoo in Lodi. Um, I ride my bike to it. It's cool. Great guys there. A lot of a lot of um, a real respectable shop. Real real good. So just to be closer to home and and um, you know on my card says make your mark. You know you won't be disappointed. It's it's what people do. They make their mark with that particular ink. Like they are making they're marking that moment. I mean. You know, there's going to be times where you might get a tattoo. You know, me and Paul got a lot of them where we were just messing around and just put it on because it looked cool. You <laughs> yeah. know, you get a you get a skull because it looks bad. You know, what I mean, and uh, but most of the time, your general public, those people, and even you know your collectors, they're getting something that's going to mean something. And even if it's just a collector piece, it represents that part of your life where you were in that shop with that guy who you thought was the shit and you know you remember that you know you remember how you're feeling i just realized so another weird connection too is like that that connectivity that people I, and i talk about i talked this with mike giant like that connectivity of a person tattooing you like that friendship that bond that happens in that moment and you see yep. that probably with like the way like slaves love their their dominatrix or whatever like that sort of <laughs> adulation yeah. that, that that occurs yeah, yeah, it's um, it's inter- It's a big. I mean, I'm I'm fully. I fully believe in energy. I fully believe in all that stuff and positivity. And if you're if you're positive, it's gonna uh, come through as a better experience for these people. If you're negative, it's gonna be a negative situation. Now I find myself in those situations where I just cannot stand this person, and I don't like the design that we're doing. But it's it's structurally sound at least. It's just not something I would. I'm enjoying, you know, and I, I probably have made their experience not as good because I had a, a poor attitude about it. You know what I mean? Like I was in, who knows, fought with my wife or or ran out of gas on the way there or yeah. something. You know, and it's just there's so many elements to tattooing that that uh, that make it such a unique and great thing yeah. yeah there's a weird pressure too because you know for people especially people who aren't like heavily tattooed like it's yeah. such an experience that you know it's something that they're thinking about for months maybe years ahead of time yep. they're they're counting down the days like it's fucking christmas but for you it's another day at work like you put i'm sure you put the same amount of love and energy into it but it's still yep. you're you're just taking care of that day's work and you're going to do yeah. three more and three more the next day or whatever you know, it's like, like yep. and there's something about how, not that it's not important to you, but the level of importance that's, that's well, put onto that singular moment is different. Yeah, 
I think what you have to do is you have to continue to, um, I'm in a spot right now, man, where I have not painted something since I painted a piece for, um, an art show that Paul had up at, at, at his little studio up there in San Francisco. Um, I'll have to send you a picture of it, man. It's, it's, uh, it was good. It just, um, I haven't painted something since then. This is a couple months ago that I've liked. It's one of those, you get in this funk and back to what you were saying is I think you can get into that, right? You can get into this funk with actual tattoos that you're doing. Cause you're not doing maybe necessarily that Japanese piece that you like, you know, or that, that American traditional style that you like. So I think you have to find those times and those people that you can put those fun tattoos on that re spark your energy. And you feel what you felt when you first did it. Like I remember pulling that first line. I remember being nervous, like sweating, setting my machines up and sending <laughs> up and getting the client in there. And the, but the second I pulled that first line, man, it was like magic. You know, I knew it from then. I knew it. I still remember how it felt. I, st- I mean, I got myself into situations, you know, after that where I was way out of my, you know, league with tattoos, you know. But, um, you know, for the most part, I have to try to recapture that um, that excitement about tattooing in the middle of these mundane tattoos to make the mundane still fun. You know what I'm, does that make sense? Yeah, totally. I totally understand. Yeah, and, and, and same with the art. You know, like I'm trying to figure out where my art is going to go next, and I think I need to just break it back down to basics. You know, and not get fancy. Stick to like, you know, the standard, the five colors, and just do, just do that. You know, and you know, try to make it. Try to get inspired again. Cool, man. Well, I think that that's a good spot to to stop. I, uh, yeah. Let's well, um, let's plug your. I, I know we got your Twitter out. Let's plug your Twitter again and let people know where they can go and see your work and uh, go get a tattoo when they're when they're ready to do something abs- awesome. Absolutely, they can find me. They can find the uh, my shop site blackdaggertattoo.com. dot com. That's uh at, on Twitter at blackdaggertat two. And then uh, you find me on uh, therealjoeswanson.com. That site's coming up real soon. Um, and that, it's the real Joe Swanson because the dude on Family Guy who's in the wheelchair, who's a neighbor named Joe Swanson, who is a cop, is not me. I'm <laughs> the real Joe Swanson. Okay? So you yeah. can find me on Twitter, uh, at OG Joe Swanson, and um, my uh, site, therealjoeswanson.com. So... If anybody's in the area, man, rolling between Sacramento and uh, San Francisco, come by and get get tattooed. Nice. And then your podcast should be coming out too. I'm really looking forward to that, actually. Yeah, I'm I'm stoked on it. I, I have I think about I'm about ninety percent complete. I'm working through a few other little details, um, and then I'm just gonna start hit hit and record, man, and, and throwing them up there. I got to get you know figure out the maybe i'll email you or something man and figure out the the itunes and the stitcher and all that stuff but that you're going to be able to find it on all that and uh you know like i said it's just going to be about tattooing positivity you know we'll have that little pigtails uh section in there and uh you know it's going to be fun nice awesome i'm looking forward to it all right brother let's do internet daps (laughs) right on dude all right man appreciate it man great talking with you. you I'll hit you up. Thanks for having me on, dude. All right, sounds good. Later, brother. All right, bye. Hey. Sharks in a dunk tank, vipers in a garden. Locusts stole the groceries out the local farmer's market. All God's greatest oppositions. Some are violent, some are victims. Each alive is an equal and vital piston I support. So when the piranhas on a New York... My daddy long legs dangle to mangle for sport And while I'm bringing every dink in the kingdom with open wings It all boils down to them shit-soaked pigs The pigs, what? the pigs, what? the dregs of what y'all aim for The gluttonous muddy stomachs under the pudgy cake hole The two-track brainiac using the food and payroll That chew up and consume every cookie crumb and peso And place a cloven hoof on a lucrative one convenient As the bourbon odor smokers cough smolder off the cohiba If Noah had the benefit of hindsight on his ship He could have snatched two unicorns and left behind the motherfucking pigs Goddamn pigs, pot-bellied pigs Punch drunk pigs, take money, money pigs, loudmouth pigs, white load pigs, let's make a deal. 
and all the wolves and woolly wigs have huffed and puffed and blew the bricks. The skulls of Brooklyn's cruelest pigs will rain up Bolton's newest kicks. This mulish swine of all surrounding counties stiff the gruesomeness. We pass around our pineapples and pulled up ends in unison. I will gladly feed you to the breed who wants to sacrifice. No pagan or sacrilege, just bacon for scavengers. I will gladly seat you with the chickens, not the passengers. Hopefully the crack in his armor spreads to his avarice. Never that. Wilbur's multiplock quicker than triples and hundred triples and fistfuls, but it was all bells and whistles. Bougie this and bougie that. War pick a pussycat. Glitzy to the pork ribs had the gold leaf the booby traps. Powder pink, double-breasted, mess of mud and money. Waddle off the fire to make a stubborn tummy roggle. And while I don't really know the working details of your tribes, I know that that's one ugly fucking tie. Asshole pigs, goddamn pigs, pop belly pigs, punch drunk pigs, take money, money pigs, loud mouth pigs, wide load pigs, let's make a deal. Apple in his mouth, maraschino eyes, party like the butcher boys, cleaver is alive. I'm in a 16 hours of smoking the misty winter. See the county fair's blue ribbon winter is dinner Then dance until the sun has kissed your blisters in the morning As the misery was dormant and divvied in crispy portions Corporates want to lure him and whore him Or does he hoard the corporates to expand the more important forms for him? Push the mortar pestle past the ordinary orchard When the frilly borders faded as the product mine or yours, pig? Mine, plus I toss a token where I go Directly to the worms who shovel shit in yellow snow This little piggy went to the market with a target And will subsequently know the armor-piercing forks of farmers Final words for the finer birds taking notes I dig a chicken pig's ills, that's all folks Pigs, goddamn pigs, pot-belly pigs, punch-drunk pigs Sick money-money pigs, loud-mouth pigs, wide-load pigs Let's make a deal